0: This is one hate minute.
1: A drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gang bangers working the local 7-Eleven of you. Robbery homicides take out, Give me
0: all your got. This and Give me all your
1: got. I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best, trying to stop guys like me.
0: A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's L.A. crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to One Heat Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me today is, well, a man who is also part of a crew of thieves. um, Did a pretty significant attempt at... Heist of varying levels of success depending who you talk to. They did that mm. in Middle Earth, though. The man I'm speaking to is Stephen Hunter. He is Bomber from the new Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings trilogy, the Hobbit trilogy, the first three out of their the sequence of uh, 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 J.R. Tolkien's masterpiece. Sir, thank you so much for being a part of One Heat Minute.
1: Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me, man.
0: So, uh, I've, I've, you know, what what better what better to talk to someone who's already an experienced uh seasoned uh wearer of makeup and stealer of things than uh, than to talk about Michael Mann's 1995 crime masterpiece heat
1: oh absolutely and uh you know i think it's uh i think to you know to come clean i was um you know i guess outside the door on top of the mountain um while it was all going on <laughs> well no actually actually no no i i tell a lie we we did spend a bit of time in there um you know, being chased by a dragon, et cetera. What am I saying? We, it was green screen, but you know, you know what
0: I mean? But, but, you know, you always need a guy on watch. Steve, don't talk yourself down. You need people to keep an eye. Yeah. This is what we've learned from Michael Mann crime films and, and heists particularly. You need a guy keeping watch and, mm. you know, get, get a look in on some infrared cameras if you're in, uh, if you're in heat. Um, so, yeah, no, totally. so, um, Steven and I are going to dive into a minute of the film. It's awesome that I have him for... Uh, a minute that a couple of people have now been desperately sort of leading up to, but he's right in the crux of it. It's the 49th minute of heat, so if you're watching your original uh, uh, theatrical release, either DVD or Blu-ray from Warner Brothers, you're going to be seeing, it'll say 48 minutes on the clock, all the way up to the f- um, 49.00. um And this is the minute. This is the minute where Vincent Hanna, Al Pacino's character, is seemingly following a completely pointless lead. He's already said the amazing line in the last minute, Albert what's wrong with you, um, with his brother <laughs> Richie, played by Tone there um, then it appears like this 3am visit to a subterranean Koreatown basement is going to be completely fruitless. But mm. in the very beginning of the minute that we're about to watch together, Stephen and I, you get the... The, the quintessential line, the, the one word, slick, mm, which unlocks mm. the entire movie. So what we're going to do um, is Stephen and I are going to have a quick watch of that minute. You guys are going to listen along, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it. Right, let's go.
1: Hey, they telling you, man, this slick is no motherfucking joke, man. You know what I'm saying? Say what? Say what? What? You said slick. What does that mean? Slick. That's what he calls people. Slick. And tell me about him. About six feet tall, a lot of jailhouse tats. Got a big-ass peacock right here. What's his name? Chirito. Michael Chirito. Thirty-three busts
0: since 1976. Eleven for armed robbery, three convictions, two out of a three- to five-year beef in Attica, three years in Marion, Five years and pulls them off a knockback to involuntary manslaughter. Jacket's two inches thick.
1: Okay. H- who do I have there now? Drucker and me boss and Schwartz. Tell SAS I want full surveillance. That's twenty four hours, round the clock, de Stephen, there you
0: Go. A great a great sound this is uh, people are gonna absolutely get sick of me saying this at the end of this show when it finally does. <laughs> when it finally ends. Which is, <laughs> which is which is it's a good minute. It's a really good minute. It's a minute that, like, I've been waiting for this minute throughout these mm. scenes going, this is actually a turn- this is a significant turning point in the film. And in some of the other mm. minutes, it's been really lucky because it's a it's a turning point, but they're not manifesting anything. But this is now mm. finally, like, the guys who feel like they can't be touched, they can't be caught. Um, they can it might be Wayne Grow coming back to the fold. We don't know how that's going to play out. But the fact that just that one word that seemed like it was going to, Mm. Never go anywhere is the morsel that they grab onto in this.
1: And must I say, as an actor and as a voice voice actor as well, two of the great voices. Oh my God, time Loke, um, and, and I'm also a child from the '80s, go you know, Loke. You know what I'm saying? You know, and and Al, Al. You know what did you just say, Slick? Oh,
0: tell me about him. Tell me about him. He's like chewing tell me about da-
1: him. Chewing tell that, me about him. Chewing that gun. Take some time. Um, you know. Oh, like, obviously, how's a legend. You know that. Um, but, yeah, tone like man of the 80s. But it, it is. And it's because, you know, he thinks he's completely wasting his time with these guys. He's been dragged out three in the morning or whatever time it was. And some guy who's trying to get something off him to give some, as he says, some bullshit information. And then all of a sudden, this thing, this drops. And he was walking away as he, as he said it, you know. Um,
0: and he turns on a dime. That's one thing that's so cool about the Pacino performance is that... Mm. He's walking. He's walking away. He's done. Like he's he's completely mm. reserved to the fact that it's nothing. And he go, and just the fact that he goes, this slick ain't no motherfucking dope, man. And just bang, mm. he just turns. Slick, slick, slick. does yeah. that mean? What's that mean?
1: Well, there, there was some kind of recognition. For, yeah. So he obviously knew this guy. Or he's he's heard his voice before, or there's something that he picked up that he that he knew of. Yeah. So that was a clue. That's all. He, you know, guys like this. You know, um, digging and digging. And his yeah, obviously his whole life is dedicated to to this case. You know, everything else falls by the wayside. Everything else turns to custard, basically, in his life. And this (laughs) is what he's living for. And, you know, so, you know, I guess he's very attuned to hearing, you know, little things like that. And, you know, picking up accents and picking up voices. Very cool.
0: What's that that like as an actor when you're... And and Tone Loke obviously is coming in, you know, and you don't want to say bit player because you don't want to diminish the mm. role. Like it's really important even though it's only small. But like how important is it for Tone Loke, like the space and the way that Pacino is like literally and the way that performance is happening. He's like watching every word. He's hanging on his lips. Like how important is that for you when you're playing across from someone when you're sort of in there? Like that that chemistry that you create with one another for that, that tension, right? It's like I'd be interested to hear your opinion on that. Like... The space like Pacino creates—he's just hovering there, like.
1: Yeah, well, I, I I think from the other side of it, you know, he'd obviously be a very generous actor. Yes. You know, he, and he knows, and he knows, like any good actor knows, that to get a great performance out of someone else, it's not all about you. It's about what you give to the other person, and you know what what you can add to their performance, especially when you're not on camera, you know, and, and yes. you're, you're you're flipping it around. Um, but as far as he's concerned, like Tony Loke's concerned, his character it's really important, you know, that delivery of that line because, you know, sometimes in a role like that, you haven't got a huge arc, but he's in there. And I've, I've had a couple of roles like that. There was a movie I did with Aaron Kilkeling. You know, I wasn't a massive partner, but I was in a couple of very key moments of, of the story. Yeah. And when you're in those key moments, well, you just have to deliver it. And that slick line had to be very clear and concise and it had to be that, Obviously, he was a little bit throwaway. He wasn't trying to plant it on him, but it had to be clear enough that that was a hook for the story, that he was going to pick that up and and run with it. Um, So, you know, he did that very good because it was obviously very clear to him, um, you know, to Pacino and also to everyone watching the movie.
0: Are you a fan of this movie? Are you a fan of movies like this? You know, these, I mean, Braheat's a bit of a strange one I try and talk to people about because I think it's kind of a genre in and of itself. But it's a, Mm. you know, it's a crime movie, it's a gangster movie. Is this a movie that you're familiar with? You dig it, you're a fan? Yeah, totally. I like,
1: and and it, to be honest, I, I probably only saw it two, three years ago. It was one of those movies that, for some reason, I never got to see. And I've got a whole list of movies that I never watched. <laughs> that I've, you know, I, you know, if you, I, I subscribe to Empire magazine, and like, there's all these lists of movies, the top 500, and I'm just working my way through them. And that was one. That was a very late one. And it was, you know, obviously people see it to see, um, you know, Pacino and uh, and De Niro together. Um, and that was, you know obviously one of the the attractions for it but um yeah like just a, it's a classic it's it's one of those classics you just got to see movies
0: and what i love i think and this is why uh, i love this exercise is when you're going through it minute by minute you're um i think on the real movies like those classics that stand the test of time they do like they you literally can find something to savor in every performance, every key little moment, every little throwaway character. Mm. Um, and even in, in in all the scenes that are let up, and I sort of um, I, I want to say, like, clearly, like, I've loved every every moment of this scene as it weaves into this. But mm. And it paves the way, you know, the interactions, the way that he's just completely dismissive of them. And I just love, like, once he actually gets the information, and what's so funny is that, like, Tone Loke... Because he's not used to this arrangement, what I love about the interaction is like he goes, "Got a lot of jailhouse tats. Got a big ass peacock right here, you know." Da da da. And he's like, "What's his name?" Mm. Like I love yeah. that. Do- What's his name? <laughs> who What's is his like, name? That's all he? I need. Who is it? What is his name? Mm. Michael Cerrito. And yeah. and then there's a set like there's a split second where you see Vincent sort of, which is Pacino's character, looking away. And he looks over at um, Albert Ricky Harris for like a Mm. split second. And it's like, oh my God, like the pain that you've put me through to drive those hours, this might have actually, like for a split second, like this might actually be something. This might Mm. not completely be a waste of my time. And so Mm. the minute that you see him on the phone in that nightclub, which is even cooler, and you see that crew like really breaking Mm. down and starting to like dig into this guy, it's like, oh no, this is the guy. This, this, This could be the guy.
1: Well, yeah, and, and like I think this was the break. This, you know, is, yeah. as far as I can remember. I mean, yeah. it's a while since I saw it, but and I've only seen it once. Um, once. I'm pretty sure you've seen it a couple more times now. Um, <laughs> Just oh,
0: yeah. But it, it's already... interesting
1: what you say about enjoying every minute, because like I teach as well. Like I teach acting, and you know, a lot of it's we talk about being a detective as an actor. Yes. Like what are you doing, and you need to know because you're not instinctively, naturally doing these things and saying these things you need to know why you do and say every single thing. And it's the same with a film. Like every minute is there for a reason. And if it's not there for a reason to forward the story or to, you know, develop or to uncover something about the character, then you have to question why it's still in the film. And, if it's not needed, it gets cut. And that's obviously why so much stuff gets left on the cutting room floor. I mean, some people panic about the, the you know, it, it could be like a censorship thing. It could be a, a pace thing sometimes. It could be mm. just the fact that they can't sell a movie that's, you know. I mean, a lot of sci-fis and that, you know, they you, you see them coming around about 100, under 100 minutes, you know, because any longer than that's just too long. There's not enough in them. Yes. So, yeah, like every single minute is, there is something going on. I think it's a... It's a good thing for an actor to look at, um, and especially if you're prepping for a role. It's like what's happening in this single moment, every single moment, and then break those moments into smaller moments, because if you don't know why and the importance of it, then you need to find out. <laughs> well, what what's funny is um, I was really lucky, and it's going to come
0: in. A, it's in a forthcoming episode um, mm. of One Heat Minute. It hasn't aired completely yet. Um, mm. The amazing editor of Heat, Pasquale Buba, one of the editors, mm. um, joined me. Um, on on one heat minute to talk about. He came on for the 150 second minute. So whoa, um, because that was I asked him which minute he wanted to talk about, and that's the minute he gave me. So of course, when you've got a legend like that, it's like I'll take whatever yeah. you yeah. tell me. Yes, sir. sir. Yeah, <laughs> and it was really interesting because the minute that he chose there was an amazing exchange between Diane Venora and Al Pacino's character later mm. in the film. Mm. Um, but he talked about this minute in the in the arc. And I want to jump on what you said, which is about pace. He talked about mm. this minute and, 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 and this scene being one of the ones they had a lot of, um, they did a lot of editing work to make the pace mm. right, because it has, you know, we're now in the 49th minute of the film and the break mm. hasn't come, mm. you know, which is like, if you're looking at a normal sort of hour and a half, we would have had the break by now. Surely we're heading mm. into some, mm. something more significant, but Heat is a bit of a sprawling, opus to yeah. the narrative so it takes more time and they talk about this and so that's why i love these minutes as well because what's remaining it's just loaded like the few minutes that you have in this scene which leads to the big break is just mm. packed to the rafters with all those things you say you've got character movement going forward you're learning a lot about instant you're learning so much about his life like he said the rest of his life, i love the line you, you, the rest of his life has turned to custard because literally it has. Like he's mm. he's got nothing else mm. going for him. But three mm. o'clock in the morning, you're learning about his method. his The, the method to his madness, what he has to do to execute as a as a great detective. And then when he gets the break, it's like it, it, there is finally for him at least, you know, we're 50 minutes into a movie-ish. Um, he's finally getting some relief because it's basically mm. just been all McCauley's crew and how good they are and staying mm. that one step ahead this whole time.
1: Mm, mm. Yeah, it's pretty enthralling. Um, it's interesting, like, talking about pace, and I, I subject a bit. I was watching um, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon, A Trip to Italy, yes. which is just the funniest thing. And in The Trip to Italy, um, uh, Rob Brydon gets an audition for a Michael Mann movie he as, like, as a mafia accountant, <laughs> which he gets. He actually lands it. But, and you talk about pacing there because the whole thing, you look at it, and it looks like it obviously just like a, a fly-on-the-wall documentary. And it looks like there's three or four cameras around them at the same time. It's just flying. It's just meant to be all ad lib, ad hoc. Yes. You know, um, uh, dialogue. But obviously it isn't because they don't. Because if you look at the angles, they they haven't got all these cameras set at the same time. No. But it looks as though it's just a, a single take. Yes. And that editing is just seamless. The pace is seamless. You know. Yeah. And that's you know for different genres, it's different things. I mean, you know, sometimes you can do, you know, uh, some movies are just like epic um, when it comes to. Um, like scenery, like you look at the um, you know, the Revenant and stuff like that, and it's you know, very epic with the scenery and his action as well. Or I flicked on the other day, they had Lawrence of Arabia, and just you know, f- for the time, David Lean just, just just yeah. it's just stunning. And it's like I did a short film in um, in um, up in East Kimberley a couple of years ago called Messiah with David Galpilu, and basically, the East Kimberley was that was the lead role because they use they just use and they take the time and they use that. And you find that with, you know, shows like, especially like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, which has continued, they really, it's, it's it's very cinematic. And that's a style. And then something like Heat is a completely different style. And then something that's a bit more like a mockumentary is, a, is another style. And, you know, it, it teaches you a lot about, you know, about how important editing can be in those circumstances.
0: And it's really, emer- like, I, I love what you said about uh, the different styles for whatever the purpose is so the real mm. class and the real and i i i personally adore trip to italy and i love that he rehearses for a michael mann movie it's one of my favorite and probably one of my favorite comedies of all time i love it and I, and i love how pissed off steve is with rob that he's getting an audition for a michael mann oh movie. yeah it makes it uh, it just sings i could watch those scenes over and over my again. favorite
1: line from that um <laughs> where do you stand on michael michael buble his windpipe <laughs> oh. just, it was one of those laugh out loud moments and the, when they were doing the batman
0: they oh, were trying to you know mate. they
1: because they are, do their michael, they have michael uh michael kane off it's just unbelievable
0: no it's it yeah oh, you, you're talking you're you are speaking my language right now <laughs> But what, what's what's great though is um that that it shows a real like and i, I love stylistically what Michael Mann does in this because right now, like I've got it paused, and so you know sometimes the the listeners at home will pause along. But if you go Mm. to forty eight minutes seventeen seconds, which is what I'm paused on in this very minute, I'm gonna, um, you know, Stephen and I are talking over Skype, guys, so he's gonna check it out as well. Just he'll see it Mm. on my screen. But it's Mm. this very brown, organic, claustrophobic sort of dub shared close up, if you like, where Mm. tone low. Even though tone low is really crisp and he's in the right of frame. P- mm. Everything is about Pacino's facial expression. So you've got this mm. really massive canvas of two faces, sort of huddled against each other. But then mm. when when you get to the later the latter parts of the minute, and I'm just gonna um, the the latter parts of the minute, and you get to Pacino by himself. There's this great over the shoulder shot, 48 mm. 48 minutes, 39 seconds, looking into the city. It feels like it's looking into the city, like he's talking on the phone. Mm he's there and then there's a completely different cluster of bodies you get to the next couple like the final seconds as the minutes close out as we get introduced to the guys and it's literally when it, when the minutes there 48 minutes 47 seconds you've got Casals you've got Bosco you've got um McKelty Williamson's Drucker so you've got uh, obviously Wes Studi <clears throat> Ted um Ted Levine before we get mm. to Jerry Black's Schwartz. And they're all in the middle of the scene. They're all squashed together, but you're in a mm. very wide shot of all these mm. computers. You're setting the scene that they're in the office, still you know, burning the crazy midnight. Oil. They've probably been working for 48 hours straight at this point. But those guys are all there. So it's cool about the style of, even a different moment in the film that it takes a stylistic shift. We're all claustrophobic. Mm. We're in the nightclub. We're trying to stay close. He's, he's looking at... He's reading the lips of Tone Loke's character. Um, mm. um, he's, he's listening to every word so that he can be like, okay what's happening what's what you know what, what do I need to know about this next this next uh this potential mm. clue that's going to come out, and then when the boys are all there it's just that they're all huddled around a phone they're hearing his voice they're doing the same thing, but they're in a much bigger vacuum you know they're the only guys mm. that are at work so I love yeah, that yeah. I love that flip that flip of those styles there mm, mm. are you a fan of uh, Ted Levine do you like your Ted Levines do you like your Mckelty Williamsons, your West Studies? <coughs> Ted Levine, obviously from uh, um, *Science of the Lambs*, is probably his most famous role. Wes Studi, oh. *Last of the Mohicans*, and then uh, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and then uh McKelty Williamson played Don King in *Ali*. I love him. Oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah. he's yeah. phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah
1: that, yeah, that was pretty cool. That that was uh, that was pretty epic. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, um, I, I like. I, I mean. T- to me, seeing Tone Loke in there was was uh, that was a that was a highlight. Just listening, because it was only a, a year bef- uh, beforehand, he was in um, uh, with Jim Carrey, wasn't he? With um, Ace Ventura. Ace, yeah, he is. He's. that was only it was only a year before. Yeah, it was a year before. What's funny is Michael Mann got two sort of
0: under what, what we'd like. Would you call them cult? Like you'd say probably Tone Loke's like a cult figure as a rapper at mm. the time, mm. um, hip hop star. And then he had mm. Henry Rollins, who's the cult punk star who he plays uh he plays a character in this called um oh my god i've just completely lost his name because my brain is swirling with heat facts um uh hugh benny is the character that he plays but like when you're watching films like this does it like do you think that the directors, when they're choosing like a rapper or someone like that to come in, is that just all about that trying to add a flavour to it? Is that is that what you've seen in your career and when you're thinking about some of these things that you know um, you know you're casting something small or you're being a part of something when someone's coming in, they're trying to add that flavour?
1: Oh, look, it can be that. I mean, I, I think directors go for the, a lot of the same people. Um, you know, you look at Richard McIlrath and he, you know Ethan Hawke um, always you know, being being cast and, and those things, Um Tim Burton um, and Helen Bottom. I mean, obviously they're married, but, I mean, you know, <laughs> they always have their go-to people. Yes. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's studios, they just want to put a name that they want some sort of hook in there. I mean, yeah. if you've got Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, you probably don't need to have a hook with Tone Loke. There's no um, hook. There's no hook. No, but, no, but but he's also, like, he, he's an interesting character and he's got an amazing voice. And I guess back then he was very well known. So it all helps, you know. Um, you know, it's sort of the same with LL Cool J and, and Ice Cube and stuff like that. It know, helps with your 100,
0: your what, what, I think it was like, I can't remember if it was 60 or 100, like, you know, $60 million mm-hmm. budget at the time. And they're, yeah. and they're just like, no, we're casting Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and that's
1: it. That's who yeah. we're casting.
0: <laughs> that's who we're casting and that's who yeah. we'll be in this
1: movie.
0: And we'll exactly, and then.
1: It, it's very hard to break through to that. I mean, I've, you know, I've been reading the, um, you know, like the the, the Raging Bulls and um, Easy Riders and Raging Bulls, and then there's the, yes, you know, the, the, then the sequel of that. And just talking about all these guys that did their own movies, and like, you know, like Kevin Smith and, um, you know, Tarantino, and then like Damon and uh, like Matt Damon and um, Ben Affleck, and you know, everyone they shot their movie to Goodwill Hunting, they were all going, oh, we, we're going to get, um, we're going to get Leo to play it. Yeah, you know. Um, oh yeah, Leo and Brad, Brad Leo. Everyone goes Brad Leo, Brad Leo, Brad Leo. <laughs> and was, I think it was Castle Rock. It was. I um, can't remember who it was. It could, could have been Rob Reiner. He goes, "Oh yeah, obviously, you know, obviously, you know, we'll get these guys. That's even better." And um, yeah, that, that, they're always looking for that, for that name, you know, for that name. And there's like, you know, you could write a book of all the names that people wanted to to do in different movies. Um, I mean Sean Connery was originally offered like 20% of the gross or something for Lord of the Rings or 10 or 20% of the gross and he turned it down (laughs) didn't understand it it was stupid (laughs) yeah to be
0: Gandalf to be Gandalf he's like nah
1: nah don't do that I don't do that I'm good thank goodness how good's Ian Ian. coolest man in the whole world
0: Ian is Ian McKellen coolest man Ian is one of the is one of the coolest men in the whole world and it was I mean he he, could be in heat and be cool I reckon yeah Yeah. I'm trying to think where he would slot (laughs) I'm trying to think where he'd slot I don't yeah. I I'd like to think a young Ian McKellen would play a, val- a mean Kilmer, like a really. Yes. Mean, he'd, he'd be a like young Ian yes. McKellen with the with the with the jaw and with the, the mm. swagger, and that mm. sort of that me- he can just really get menacing. You know, I think he would just. Yeah. St- we could do that. Yeah. He, he 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 could he could stare you um he could stare you down. What I was going to say is for heat actually, um. So we're paused on like forty eight minutes forty seven seconds. Mm. We we're just talking Ted Levine. Ted Levine. In this movie was actually Michael Mann said to him, "Oh, well, do you want to be Wangrow? So um, oh. the guy in the crew who sort of runs away, um, who, who's, who's causing mischief off off camera as we speak, um, mm. do you want to be Wengrow? Which it was ended up casting Kevin Gage and uh, Ted Levine. Uh, around this time had done Silence of the Lambs and was like, mm. "I just don't want to be the guy that ev- like the, the every villain guy. Like, so give me mm-hmm. something random." because he's a really, mm. obviously, a terrific character. He's like, just give me something mm. else in the film mm. So he played a cop. Um, then the other interesting one was, so Dove Honig, who's one of the editors with Pasquale Berber on this movie, was editing Batman Forever. And Val Kilmer mm. came from Batman Forever, straight off as Batman, straight into heat as Chris Shaherless. Mm. And so mm. at the time, there was a question mark on whether he could be in the movie. And Keanu Reeves was being looked at for the Chris Chaheles character. So... Yeah. Because at the time, Keanu was blowing up, you know, speed mm. and point break were all there. So, you know, mm. he was a name, hat in the pool. But like you said, Val Kilmer, he was a Warner Brothers dude at the time. Just done uh, the doors and done mm. <laughs> done the doors and doing this. And so, you know, they were like, nope, he's coming in to play as long so He's getting third, third lead in this movie. Batman's coming straight across to an L.A. Dude, story. you should
1: do one doors minute, man. <laughs> man. No, <I>
0: <laughs> an Oliver Stone minute show, <laughs> while amazing. Would really require, would really require some significant, um, uh, uh, significant uh, medicinal assistance with LSD and and things like that, which I don't well, think it, is legal. It'd be in a good Australian.
1: stepping stone. It'd be a good <laughs> stepping stone to a one Kubrick minute. One, yeah.
0: Look, 2001. the Shining, two thousand one. Shining minute minutes a space odyssey no i will look I, i'm see i i hope in if, 5 it,
1: years when you finish this you can have a look at it
0: this will be nearly this might be 2 years but if um <laughs> what i would say is uh, a few people have asked and so a few people have asked what's next in the minutes and so mm. first i'll say everyone pump your brakes because it's one heat minute this is the show this is the right. this is my life <laughs> Um, number one, but it, two, it's an obvious question though, isn't
1: it? I mean, it is, it is an obvious question
0: for Yeah. What happens after heat ends? And I'm like, guys, yeah. we're only 49 minutes in. We have a hundred and like 30, 120 odd minutes to go. Um, so we've still got plenty of time and we're only just, you know, we, Stephen and I now in this minute are just talking about the turning point. The actual mm. the opening up of this entire film. But yeah, look, I, I wouldn't have a clue of what I would do next as far as a minute film. But I'm such a Michael Mann fan that, um, mm. that you know, I uh, immediately my gut would say, well, would, wouldn't more Michael Mann make sense? But who, who knows? Maybe as I get closer, maybe as I get closer mm. to the end of One Heat Minute, I'll even entertain slightly what could be next. I don't, I don't think it could be. Mm. If you had a choice. Possibly is your and,
1: and obviously, there's enough man to go around,
0: there is enough. Yeah, we've got, you know, we've got The Insider. That's probably my second mm. favourite. Miami Vice, mm. is, I think, is an underrated masterpiece. R. Mm. Um, Lee, Last of the Mohicans, Thief, mm. Jimmy mm. Kahn, and Thief. Holy shamal! He was so skinny. I think he's wearing size 26 jeans. He's the skinniest man alive mm. in that movie. Um, yeah, lots to talk about. Lots to talk Like, lo- lots of films. But I think there's not too many films. My experience with Heat. And this may, is absolutely complete bias, but I don't think too many films stand up to what you said, Stephen, with, right at the beginning, which is if <clears throat> there are plenty of minutes that are that don't do what you gave those rules about. If it's not making mm. the character go forward, and if it's not developing the story, or if it's not helping propel something, even if it's important, as you talked about mm. um, for yourself in Killing Ground, like coming in and being really key for a very short definitive bursts if you're yeah. not doing that then you know it needs to be cut and i think in yeah. heat like there's plenty of films that i've viewed and i'm like this could shave 30 minutes off you know it mm. there's so much that's happening that seems incongruous you don't need it but um but yeah like that's one thing that i think that heat stands the test of time Yeah,
1: you're in a awesome. guy, you're
0: a guy who's in a nine nine hour epic essentially
1: right yeah, that, that's, that's the regular versions. The extended versions, <laughs> it's even longer. I played my partner the very first um, ones. She goes, look, if you're going to start doing these movies, I better watch Lord of the Rings. She'd never seen them. And we, we just arrived in Wellington, so I got her a copy. And she was at the end of it, she goes, my God, that was long. I said, that was Disc Wanted movie one, darling. <laughs> Suck it up. Suck it up. <laughs> Buckle man. up.
0: You're on to the next one. Yeah, they that's were That's a long. different style. That's a completely different mm. style. But you've got so many characters. How many speaking mm. characters in Lord of the Rings? Oh my oh, god. In in not even as just, many, but just even in, the, in Hobbit the Hobbit is
1: there's probably more, yeah.
0: Just in the Hobbit. Your there's, crew, what? There's yeah. like there's
1: There's thirteen, but there's two of us don't speak, so um Yeah. So well Bipper if... speaks Biffa speaks um dwarvish, and I have a couple of lines in the extended cut of Return of the King. Two lines, that was it. <laughs> and I went all day and that was I got those at the lunch break of my very last day of pickups. <laughs> I was almost disappointed. I was like, Oh, I thought, you know, I was actually quite happy. I didn't have anything to say. I didn't think I
0: needed it. Did, no, I, I definitely, there's plenty of characters that could use less lines. You just sit there yeah. to convey things along. Still memorable. Yeah. You're actually, mm. bombers. like that. One of the only ones I remember in, in the mm. Hobbit, in the Hobbit films, um, all the guys started getting sexy, like getting nicknames, like "Oh, there's the sexy dwarf." Mm. Um, there's the, there's the, um, and then started started getting those things. And then uh, now, after you know, your lovely co-star Richard Armitage starred as Red Dragon um, in mm. the in the Hannibal series. I can't ever look at him now in the Hobbit movies and think of Thorin anymore. I just keep thinking of Red Dragon. So um, mm. that's. Uh, um, that's the case. Did you enjoy? I have to ask because you know you're you're around at this time. Have you seen Black Panther yet? And did you enjoy? Yes. If you, if you did, did you enjoy watching Martin Freeman, um, and Andy Circus across from one another again?
1: That was so cool seeing those two <laughs> boys back together again. You know, and it's that's, I'm, that's I'm so. I'm, I'm so glad the moment. That's yeah. your heat moment. Because you know, like, I, I I don't think people maybe they do realize, but they don't, you know, how talented Andy Circus is and how like incredibly hard working. I mean, not because, it's, you know, he does, but he does a lot of performance capture and people think, oh, you know, it's like animation or CGI, but it's it's not. It's It, it captures his acting performance. It's basically digital makeup. And to see him playing that role, that South African, well, he was just like unrecognizable it, Like in that character. He bulked up and he's a fit guy. But that was incredible, and to see him and Martin, and it, for, after, it took me a while going, oh, 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 it's it's the boys again, yeah. you know, having their little moments, because you know the last time they did that was basically the first two weeks of Hobbit production, the very first two weeks they shot out the whole cave scene um, with Riddles, and they did that, and then Andy was how the second unit director, so they worked together on that, and that was it. But Martin was great in that, and I, I really enjoyed Black Panther. It was, it was. I was in New Zealand seeing a, a very close mate of mine, and. You know, took him out the movies, and um, yeah, it was it was very entertaining. I thought it was awesome. I love Michael B. Jordan in it. I thought he was great. He is
0: great. Yeah, and I was, and mm. and like I, I actually said in my review, I was talking about like the the equivalent of saying. Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis together in Black Panther talking across from one another for Lord Mm. of the Rings fans is like what Godfather fans have with heat in the conversation with Pacino and De Niro. So you you, you've got so much history with those two guys doing very specific things that it's really nice to like, uh, ah, look, look at them. There they are acting across from each other. I bet they're having an absolute ball, not being in, you know, with large feet and curls or doing any green screen stuff or in a, in a tight um, blue suit or whatever, a green suit. And pretty much the only
1: two white guys in the movie.
0: Yeah, the Tolkien white guys as someone uh, as it's someone. The Tolkien calling, white guys. The uh, Tolkien uh, white guys.
1: No, as, it was awesome, man, and I'm I'm glad it's done so well. Like it's done, it's it's in the top twenty of all time already.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: So it's it's just hit like 1.1 million. Um. Yeah. So yeah, well done, well done, there. Stephen, thank
0: you so much for coming and being a part of one heat minute and this madness. Where can folks who are listening to you find you if they want to? Say hi and uh, praise you with uh, their Lord of the Rings love, or to talk to you more about awesome films that you're catching up on. Because I think that that's one thing you picked up. You've got a great couple of lists that you're following. I think you're going to probably get some more recommendations if uh, from the the Twitter sphere. So where's the best places
1: to find you? Uh, yeah, no, I'll give you my address. Come in anytime for a cup of tea. Uh, no, uh, well, I've got uh, uh, Twitter is uh, Stephen J Hunter one. Um, Instagram Stephen J Hunter one I just you know put up random pictures of bits and bobs I've got uh, Stephen Hunter YouTube channel and I've got like a, a video uh, interviews called actors talk about themselves and I've interviewed a lot of my hobbit buddies on that so there's a bit of that going on I'm also on Patreon as well on I think it's Stephen Hunter on my Patreon page so and I'm, I'm going to be ripping into a few different podcasts so I'm I've started to write um, like a podcast. Uh, and it's, it's going to be like, like a sort of comedy but like a, a scripted one um, like the old days radio plays so that, that's that's the kind of stuff I'm, I'm uh, about to head into Awesome well guys yeah. what I will do
0: when I post this episode on the One Hit Minute page you'll see links to all of those places that Stephen talked about and if he's got any of his other links there for his website and whatever where you can find his eventual scripted podcast which I'm dying to listen to because mm. um, we did talk about his favourite line where do you stand on Michael Bublé his his windpipe uh, from the trip to Italy. Um, so thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you to Aaron Glenane because I know that Steve mentioned his name. Aaron Glenane, friend, friend Ooh. of One Heat Minute, uh, for acting friend of mine, who's um, absolutely killing it in the Picnic at Hanging Rock series that is just out at the moment. So thank you. Was absolutely. that out already? Ooh, I've yeah, watched that on the Fox. So yeah. he he will be uh, uh, joining us on the show soon. Thank you to Stephen so much for being a part of it. Guys, thank you so much for listening to One Heat Minute. Thank you to Paul Davies for our music, Garth Franklin for our web design. But most of all, thank you to you guys for for following along, and we'll be back soon with more One Heat Minute. Thanks, Stephen.